Universal mail-in voting is broken. Even absentee ballots, to a certain extent, are broken as well. I've covered this extensively where the New York Times in 2012 said with an increase in absentee voting, you're going to see an increase in inaccuracy. We know it's messed up and we've got report after report showing this. And we even have instances of confirmed voter fraud. But the Democrats insist everything is A-OK. In fact, Nancy Pelosi says that it is vital to the health of this country that we have universal mail-in voting. Basically, the difference for those that aren't familiar, absentee ballots have a chain of custody where you request it, they send it, they expect it back. And universal mail-in voting is ballots being sent out to everyone, even people who don't live in these states or jurisdictions anymore. Now, Donald Trump's mistake is that he keeps saying fraud. The likelihood of fraud is really high. And that's where the Democrats get him. They say there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud. And there's the trick, the framing device. We got a story here from AJC. 1,000 people double voted in Georgia primary, says Secretary of State. In fact, about 150,000 people apparently tried. Maybe it was on accident. Maybe it was because they changed their mind, but they requested absentee ballots and then decided not to do it. Now we have even more alarming stories. A video is going viral showing a budget rental truck dumping mail into a parking lot. And apparently this wasn't the only time it happened. We're now hearing from the New York Times a million ballots in the primary are not going to be counted. One million. Think about that. We're going to have a general election. Could you imagine if a million ballots aren't counted? People are going to freak out. Mail-in voting is broken. Okay, absolutely broken. And even in this story, about a thousand people double voting, they get a quote from a Democrat saying everything is fine. Voter fraud is still extremely rare. I can't believe it. At a time when election integrity is more important than ever. The Democrats are seeking to overhaul our entire election system when we have Dr. Burks and Fauci saying it is safe. How many times do I need to say it? Well, apparently I need to say it again. Let this be the definitive, well, I guess as of now, video breaking down mail-in voting is completely broken and don't take my word for it. I am going to show you an absurd amount of stories. In fact, you hear what you can do. You go on Google and you type in a state with mail-in ballot problems and you're likely to find something about the problems being here. You know why? Because the Washington Post reported 46 states are going to experience these problems. In fact, in battleground states, it's expected to be particularly worse. And there it is. Ah, in the battleground states. Listen, if you were to come to me and tell me at the most polarized time in our nation ever, well, maybe not ever. That's that's unfair. That's stupid. The Civil War, probably way more polarized, but second worst, perhaps. You want to change the rules and overhaul the election and reduce election security and integrity? I'm sorry. I'm going to assume you're cheating. Let's take a look at this story. Before we get started, Head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. I got a P.O. box if you want to send stuff. But the best thing you can do, share this video. This this is important. People need to know about what's going on with mail-in ballots. And I'm going to show you a whole bunch of sources breaking this down. I don't have a big budget like CNN or MSNBC. I rely on word of mouth. If you think this issue is important, and I do, then please consider sharing it. Otherwise, if you want to support the channel, just like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. And let me show you some let me show you some of these stories. The first thing I want to highlight is that a couple weeks ago, Nancy Pelosi called Trump and GOP lawmakers domestic enemies, enemies of the state over mail in voting opposition. The top Democrat told MSNBC Russia isn't the only one trying to interfere in our election. 
How about this from Politico? This is from August 2nd. Pelosi says mail-in voting is essential for Americans' health. And then we have this. Pelosi calls lawmakers back to block postal service changes. She is absolutely obsessed with pushing this through. In fact, one of the things that was jamming up the COVID relief early on was that Nancy Pelosi wanted universal mail-in voting and they wanted to ban voter ID laws in the states where it's required. Why would you strip away our, our election system's integrity? Unless you intend to cheat. Well, I got the receipts, man. But first, I'm going to throw it to Will Chamberlain because he's the one who actually tweeted this idea. He said, voting in person is high integrity. Absentee voting is high integrity because people have to request ballots. Mail-in voting is low integrity. And if you want low integrity voting in one of the most polarized elections in history, we have to assume you intend to cheat. I'm, I'm sick of it, man. It's th- look, they are screaming this in our faces nonstop over and over. All of these sources, all of these outlets, the AP in battleground states, absentee ballot rejections could triple. It's all over the place. Election chaos in Norfolk leaves thousands of mail-in ballots untouched. One million primary ballots were mailed late. Postal Service watchdog says, man, it gets bad. Okay, I got to read. I got to read what's going on and we'll break this down. But let me just stress, whenever you see someone say Trump asserted without evidence that mail-in voting would be inaccurate, those are the people propping up the Democrats lies. And I got to say, man, it really does just seem like they fully intend to cheat. Here's the first story from AJC. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger announced Tuesday that a thousand Georgians voted twice in the state's June 9th primary, a felony that he said would be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Now, some people have pointed out this may be a reporting error, in fact, and this could be slanderous, defamatory or libelous. He says a double voter knows exactly what they're doing, diluting the votes of each and every voter that follows the law. Raffensperger said during a press conference at the state capitol. Those that make the choice to game the system are breaking the law. And as secretary of state, I will not tolerate it. In all, about 150,000 people who requested absentee ballots showed up at polling places on election day, often because they never received their absentee ballots in the mail or decided to instead vote in person. Now, here's a very important point. We often talk about what happens if you mail in your ballot and it doesn't arrive at, you know, at the commission or wherever they're going to be counting the ballots. What about this? What if they send out all the ballots and you never get yours? And what if they shut down physical polling locations and say, we're doing mass mail-in voting instead? You never receive your ballot. Then what? You request it. It's too late. You can't vote. This is insane. Absolutely insane. Now, of course, some Democrats, the Democratic Party of Georgia Executive Director Scott Hogan said fraud continues to be rare in Georgia elections. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Ignore the giant scandal of a thousand people voting twice and the chaos that's ensued across this country. Why? There's no problem with fraud. You see what they do is they say fraud over and over again. And that's Trump's mistake, too. Trump shouldn't be saying fraud. He should, he should be saying inaccuracies and impropriety. Because fraud, they argue, is a legal term. How many people have been convicted of fraud or caught of fraud versus how many people have actually gotten away with it? We just don't know. Impropriety and inaccuracy happens all the time. Quote, it is clear that rather than do his job of promoting the safety and security of our voting process, the secretary of state is instead pushing the GOP's voting conspiracy theories and disinformation. Conspiracy theories. 
Video shows USPS mail being dumped in a California parking lot. A postal union, union says USPS employees weren't involved. Yeah, maybe they weren't, but the integrity of our election is at risk because of the Democrats. So I don't know why this is happening or why they're dumping mail into a parking lot. Apparently they did it more than once. Would you trust your, your civil right, your right to vote to, uh, to the system? There's no chain of custody. You throw in a mailbox and you cross your fingers to Hail Mary. That's, that's ridiculous. You have no idea if it's going to make it to the end zone. You don't. Now, with regular ballots, you have a chain of custody. The ballot goes in the machine. The machine goes to a box. Poll watchers track this. With universal mail-in voting, there will be no poll watchers. I mean, there will be poll watchers at the physical polls, but they're expecting 80 million mail-in ballots. Think about that. How many are going to be disqualified? How many are going to be mishandled? How many are going to get stuck to the inside of the box and not make it? Would you trust your vote? There's a viral meme where they said, if you believe mail-in voting is safe, then why don't you put $5,000 in an envelope and mail it to yourself and see what happens? Nobody's going to do it. I thought of a funnier one. I'll tell you what, if you think mail-in voting is safe, I'll tell you what I'll do. You mail me a $100 bill, I'll send it right back to you. I promise. You wouldn't do that. No sane person would. And, and please don't mail me. I'm, if you mail me money, I'm not sending it back, by the way. That's a, I'm making a joke. No one would do that. You know why? They tell you not to send money in the mail because it'll go missing. Now, what about your vote? Keeping in mind the postal union endorsed Joe Biden. This story is ridiculous. Bags of mail were dumped in a parking lot in Glendale, California last week, according to surveillance footage obtained by CNN. You know what really blows my mind about this? It's the mainstream media that's reporting all of this. So why aren't Democrats and the left hearing it? Why aren't liberals hearing it? They're on Twitter screeching that it's fine. It's safe over and over again. But CNN is the one who told us they're dumping mail. Shouldn't that be enough to be like, hey, red flag problems are going to happen unless that's the point. They get people like me and you whipped up into a tizzy ranting about how mail in voting is insecure while they laugh and say everything is fine. And in the end, what do they get? Electoral chaos. Maybe the goal wasn't to try and win or cheat. They knew they were going to lose and no amount of cheating would save them. Maybe their goal is to just delegitimize the election. I'll tell you what, the only thing they've done so far is delegitimize the election. People now don't know whether to trust it. You've got Biden supporters. I guess you can't really call them Biden supporters, more like Trump, you know, anti-Trump voters who believe Trump is going to cheat. And you got Trump voters who think the Democrats are already cheating. It doesn't matter. All that's happened is the Democrats have made everything worse. And I, I, and I, I guess the easiest way to break it down that this is on the Democrats is that Burks and Fauci said we can vote safely in person. Why are they pushing this? I can only say they intend to cheat. And this is literally it. The AP says in battlegrounds, absentee ballots rejection could triple. Thousands of absentee ballots could re- get rejected in every presidential, uh, get rejected in every presidential election. This year, that problem could be much worse and potentially pivotal in hotly contested battleground states. With the coronavirus creating a surge in mail-in balloting and postal delays reported across the country, the number of rejected ballots in November is projected to be significantly higher than in previous elections. If ballots are rejected at the same rate as during this year's primaries, up to three times as many voters in November could be disenfranchised in key battleground states when compared to the last presidential election, according to an Associated Press analysis of rejected ballots. It could be even more pronounced in some urban areas where Democratic votes are concentrated and ballot rejection rates trended higher during this year's primaries. So I wonder, 
what's mo- who's more vulnerable, the rural and suburban voter or the urban voter? Some things to think about. If you're an urban voter, that means they're going to go to the, 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 the postal workers will go to the mailbox, they'll open it up, and there's going to be a massive stack of mail-in ballots from Democrats. They could easily just kick that thing into a sewer and then they're all gone. Or more realistically, bring it back to the post office and then shove it in a corner where everyone forgets about it. Now, when it comes to the rural voter, there's a potential that they could easily identify one or two votes here and there and easily do the same thing. But maybe it's a little bit harder because middle American voters are going to be more decentralized or more importantly, these are all these are all by state. So the big cities, it's easier to identify if this, you know, this big box of ballots is Democrat. In the rural areas, the mail is going to be mixed between regular mail and votes here and there. It's hard to know who's more vulnerable. Ultimately, I think if the Postal Workers Union is endorsed Joe Biden, well, I wouldn't trust these people with my ballots. And in battleground states, it's going to get bad. Ultimately, I believe this will result in lawsuits, which could stall the entire process. People then have said it will result in President Pelosi, which I find interesting considering she's been so adamant about shoving through mail-in voting. Like I said, maybe they're not intending to win. Maybe they're just trying to break the election so that January 20th, at least for a little while, Nancy Pelosi will be president and Trump won't be. And then who knows what will happen? Maybe they'll try charging him with crimes or doing something ridiculous just to get him out and try and shut him down. No idea. Because maybe the Republicans take the House. And if they do, Pelosi won't be the speaker and she won't be the president. We, I have no idea what's going to happen. The only thing I can say for the most part is that Democrats are the ones pushing this. Now we have this tweet that's going viral. Jarrett Stepman says, my parents who live in California just received my voting ballot. I haven't lived in California for 10 years. This mass mail in election is going to go great. 29,300 retweet, retweets. Many people have said the tweet is fake news. In fact, the polls, the mail-in ballots haven't even gone out yet. In fact, Gavin Newsom himself said, just so we're clear, this is false. Ballots don't get mailed in California until next month. And for those interested in facts, you can, you, you can track your ballot here. Gavin, how do you know it's false? Did you go to the man's house? Did you talk to his parents? Did you ask for evidence? Or did you just say he's a liar? Because I'll tell you what, what if people send out fake mail-in ballots? I mean, we saw what they look like in the primaries already. What happens if Bog- or, or it doesn't even matter what they look like. Imagine one day you go to your mailbox, pop it open, mail-in ballot. You're like, hey, that's good for me. You fill it out, you drop it, you send it off. It arrives at some random location with the wrong address and gets thrown in a dumpster and your vote's gone. How do I know the ballot being sent to me is real? Do I just say this piece of mail is real? I'll tell you what, I've won millions of dollars in the mail over the past several years. And guess what? It's fake junk mail. They're like, you want a billion dollars. And then there's like a check in it says a billion dollars. You open it up and then it's got a bunch of stupid garbage in it because they're garbage. It's junk mail. What if people start sending out mail that kind of looks like mail and bouts so it gets by legalities and confuses people? What if people who are bad actors send out fake ballots so that people think they already voted when they didn't? And what if they target specific areas like, I don't know, disinf- you know, uh, uh, marginalized areas or, di- or historically disenfranchised communities? Why would they risk this? And, the, and, and not only that, the Washington Post and other outlets have reported it's going to be younger voters and minority voters and first time voters who are the most likely to be disenfranchised by all of this. So why are the Democrats pushing this? 
Well, I'll tell you where it starts to get really interesting. So here we have this story from the Patriot Ledger. Election chaos in Norfolk County leaves thousands of mail-in ballots still, un- uh, still uncounted. Another post office election challenge, making sure ballots are postmarked. Yeah, because guess what? One million primary ballots get mailed late. Not just that, though. In terms of the postmarking, they get sent out and sometimes they just say, oh, you want to send it in. We don't got to postmark it. And then it's what? So there have been efforts in some states to count ballots that are not postmarked. You know what that means? Somebody could walk in with a box of random ballots, say, yep, these are good. Drop them. My bigger fear when it comes to cheating is that someone will go into areas where they know people don't vote and they'll take the ballots and then they'll just fill them out. And what are you going to do about it? So one million primary ballots were mailed late. And because of this, they end up not getting counted. There have been some efforts to extend the deadline for counting. But think about that. We have until I think December 14th to uh, uh, confirm the the results of the, the uh, of the election, the Electoral College. What if we go beyond this? Here's a story from Michigan. Most of Michigan's rejected August primary absentee ballots had signature late arrival issues. A signature and late arrival issues. All right. Late arrival is where I think it's the most interesting. Baltimore Postal Facility sat on 68,000 pieces of election mail for five days ahead of primary audit shows. And there it is, man. The system is broken. That's why I say please consider sharing this video. These, these are stories that people need to see. If the Baltimore Sun is telling us that the, the postal facility, nearly 70,000 pieces of election mail, they just sat on it for five days. So what? You get disqualified. Your vote is disqualified through no fault of your own. Mail workers are not election workers. We should not be giving a major task that, that, that is that is the backbone of our country, the electoral process, to people who are supposed to be doing something else. We need people whose dedicated job it is to handle an election. But this is going to get it's going to get worse because this is the primary stuff, man. These are the primaries. You know what? The primaries have relatively low turnout because it's by party. What happens when we go to the general election and we're looking at 80 million pieces of mail? Now, the Postal Service is adamant that they can handle all of this. But you know, they can't. They say we handle way more than that. You know, we like 350,000, uh, 350 million pieces of mail. More, like That's only a small percentage of what we handle every single day. Yes. And how much gets lost? What's the percentage margin of error? What Trump needs to be talking about is inaccuracy, impropriety, but also human error. Why did the Baltimore Postal Facility sit on nearly 70,000 pieces of mail for five days? Laziness. Maybe they're out back finishing off a, a beer, weren't paying attention. I don't know. I'm not here to impugn the honor of postal workers. I think most of them are hardworking people and do a good job. But there's going to be bad actors and there's going to be lazy people. You ever work at a job? And there's lazy people. Yeah, you probably have. I know uh, I, I know stories of people who used to like hide in closets. They didn't have to work and they're on the clock. Yeah, really crazy stuff. So a bunch of boxes come in and these workers, some of them, just the bad apples will say, I don't want to deal with this. Just kick it in the corner. We'll figure it out later. Then they go home and everyone forgets about it. And that happened. There was a, an, an audit. I believe it was done by ABC News where they made a bunch of mock ballots mailed them all from random mailboxes. And when the guy went to the post office to pick them up, they said, we have no idea what you're talking about. And he was like, uh, and they couldn't find them. And so we had to actually ask for a manager and then they searched the facility and there it is. They found them. Listen, I just ordered, okay, cat treats 
for my cat, okay? And I got a notification they got shipped to the wrong state. How does that even happen? I ordered some electronics. I got a notification. They're broken. I'm not making this. It really happened. As most of you are probably, probably aware, we're expanding. We're getting a bigger facility. So I got to order a bunch of new stuff for the house. And I got a notification. They were like, we accidentally broke this piece of equipment and uh, we're going to have to refund you. And I'm like, okay. And I got a notification. We broke another piece of equipment. Now, mind you, this wasn't USPS. This is the, the point is regular people doing regular jobs make mistakes. I order cat treats and they get shipped to the wrong state. Now, what do I do? Oh, don't worry. They say, we'll send them to you. You'll get them in three weeks. So what happens if it, what happens if it's your vote? What happens if you go out there and let's say you're a Biden supporter and you're like Biden must win and the postal worker takes it, sees it and drops it and it falls behind a, a, a box or something. And then pick, they pick the box up and they leave the mail-in ballot behind. To me, it's just ridiculous that we're seeing all of this. It's being jammed down our throats. We know for a fact the system is busted. But the Democrats keep saying, never mind, never mind the stories. There's no evidence. It's fine. Take a look at how the Washington Post frames it. The Postal Service warns 46 states their votes could be disenfranchised by delayed mail-in ballots. 46 states. This election is going to be absolute bedlam. Here's my prediction. Trump and Biden both win. Chaos ensues. I don't I don't I don't know. There have been a bunch of people who have been predict who have been predicting di- different scenarios in which Trump and Biden both win. I think we won't see we won't know who won. We'll, we might never know who won. That may, that, that may be the end of it. Seriously, we might just never know. So what do you think Trump supporters are going to do when they see this happen? We've already seen militias make threats. No joke. Seriously, saying the Civil War has started because of what happened in Portland. Do you think they're going to sit back because of this? I need to I need to lay some reality on you. There's a reason I highlighted Pelosi saying all of these things. The Republican message right now, and this is not like I, I don't like Republicans. OK, but for the most part, they're saying keep the election system the way it is. The Democrats, however, are saying overhaul the entire process, change it dramatically overnight and reduce the security of our elections. Listen, man, if someone came to my house and they were like, you shouldn't have locks on your door. I'd be like, why? I don't know who you are. And why are you telling me I don't need locks? Don't worry. This neighborhood's safe, man. You don't got to worry about any burglars. It's fake news that the local police are saying there's an increase in crime. Why don't you take the lock off your door? I'd be like, dude, if you're trying to get me to take the lock off my door, I'm assuming you're trying to break into my house. That's exactly what's happening. I can only assume Democrats are actively trying to destroy this. And what do you think that's going to turn into? You've got regular people who don't follow videos like this, who don't hear what I'm saying. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe my assessment isn't perfect. Maybe you agree with me. Maybe you don't. But if you do, then you need to make sure people see this. I don't know how else to, how else to put it. This, in my opinion, is the most important issue right now. And there's a lot of reasons why it is. For one thing, Donald Trump has banned critical race theory at the federal level, and he's now challenging the funding of schools that teach the 1619 Project. These are insane cultist ideologies. They are, they are anti-American. They are, they are illiberal. They oppose the freedoms that, that we fought for. And these leftists want to turn back the clock on civil rights law. That's why I've just, you know, look, I'm voting for Trump, especially after the critical race theory thing. That's our, 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 our best hope to push back on this. Joe Biden is entertaining it. And many on the left are just straight up agreeing with it without even knowing what it is. So this election may be the most important election of, uh, of in our country's history. I wonder what will happen afterwards. 
this election will happen. Somebody will end up in charge somehow. Or maybe not. I honestly don't know. I really, really just don't know. I feel like there is a real possibility that come January, no one knows who the president is. And that will be a very serious constitutional crisis. And if Trump is, if he does end up having to leave office because by January 20th, we have no results, you better believe they're immediately going to try to arrest him or pull some kind of you know shenanigans. I think so. They've been calling for it. And they're going to come up with every, you know, everything they can to do so. There will be no one in the, the federal government to stop uh, what's going on, to keep the Obamagate investigation going. But maybe there'll be an October surprise. I really don't know, man. Part of me believes that the Democrats are sabotaging everything because they, they're guaranteed to lose. And they want to delegitimize the election, in which case Trump will win. They'll just keep, you know, the narrative going in the press that Trump is cheating. But I'll tell you, if the Postal Service themselves are telling us this, if the media has been running these stories nonstop over and over and over again, at what point do people accept that mail-in voting is completely broken and the system will not work? At what point will people put down their swords and say, you know what, you're right, the system ain't going to work? No, this, is, this, is, this, this proves to me we've gone beyond an election, absolutely beyond this. CNN ran a segment defending critical race theory. Brian Seltzer did it because Trump opposed it. And that's the name of the game. So even though they know mail-in voting is completely broken, they don't care. They just want to win. They don't care about the, 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 the betterment of the people of this country. They don't care about making lives better for anybody. They don't care about progress. They just want to win by any means necessary. And they've been telling us this. They've been telling us by any means necessary. And that's why Joe Biden while he, did, he does call it the violence, will not say the words Antifa or Black Lives Matter because they will do anything for power, even endorse or support the extremists. They have to condemn the violence because they don't want to lose the support of regular people too, but they won't tell you what's really going on. I think there's good news. I mentioned this in an earlier segment, but I think what we're seeing is the last ditch effort of a dying establishment, not just the politics, but the media as well. And perhaps in 2024, it will truly be an election of the internet. I think 2016 was, and I think 2020 will be as well. And as the establishment tries to scream in our faces that there's nothing going on, there, there's no voter fraud, and, and Biden's going to win, regular people are paying attention and they know something different. The Trump flags are everywhere. People are, more people are quitting the Democratic Party to become Republican or support Trump than the other way around. And if you're online, you're seeing it happen. And if you're walking around in the real world, you're seeing it happen. But people who spend their time in the Beltway bubble just watching the Politico's report on their social media, they have no idea what's going on. CNN, MSNBC, and to an extent, even Fox News are left confused because they're late to the party. Maybe in 2024, when the establishment finally loses all of its power, we'll actually get a handle on what's really happening. Until then, we got to get through this first, because if this election goes sour, there might not be a 2024 election. I know, maybe a little hyperbolic, but hey, don't think it can't happen here because it could. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. It is my other channel, and I will see you all then. A Black Lives Matter supporter and Antifa activist has been arrested on felony hit and run charges for trying to kill a Trump supporter. The incident occurred at a bar when Proud Boys were gathering to commemorate an individual who had been killed recently, and this is the story everybody knows, of Aaron Danielson, who was gunned down, targeted by another Black Lives Matter far leftist, by a guy who's got the Black Lives Matter fist tattooed on his neck. 
They were holding a private event when some Antifa leftist guy showed up and started filming all of them. An altercation ensued. The guy went to leave, got in his truck and ran into hitting one of the Trump supporters, one of the Proud Boys who flew up in the air, fell down, hit his head, got a concussion, a brain bleed, a whole bunch of other serious injuries. Now, several media outlets have ignored the story or downplayed the severity because I because rest assured, if it was the other way around, if it was a bunch of leftists gathering at a bar and a Trump supporter showed up, you know, they would go nuts smearing all of the of the right wing individuals involved. It would be national news. It's because the left is better organized. And it's also because many of these news outlets have a hard left bias because they live in these cities, because they're college graduates. They fit the demographic and the tribes are being, well, the the tribes are being hyperpolarized. We used to just say there was a liberal bias in the media. Now it's overt tribalism, where the media begrudgingly reports the fact that another Trump supporter got targeted in an attempted murder. But of course, they'll just say it was a hit and run. Now, this story I've got from Katu2, K-A-T-U-2, does a little bit better than many of the other outlets, but we've got information and and I got to update you on what happened. Many of you know I reported on this a couple days ago, I think, and said, take it out with a grain of salt. But we now have more confirmation. And many other journalists have pointed out this guy, he is Antifa BLM. Now, I will also point out, however, I'm maybe covering the story, but it seems like things were relatively calm in, in the past night. I'm not seeing any big stories or videos coming out about widespread rioting or looting, particularly in Portland. And so these 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 dips happen periodically. Hopefully it's over maybe it's not. I'm sure I'm missing something. These people don't just stop. They're going to keep carrying on, but we're not hearing a lot about it. And that could be partly due to the media. But, you know, some of the trusted figures I've been following who, who track this stuff also haven't been mentioning anything about the previous night. Now, aside from this story, which we'll get into, I got to point out, man, the media is straight up protecting the far left extremists to the best of their ability. No exaggeration. Take a look. We've got this story from Time magazine. These Black Lives Matter protesters had no idea how one arrest could alter their lives. First dude literally shows up to a protest with taser and bear mace and he gets and he he tries resisting and running from the police. So they arrest him and they charge him. Turns out he had weapons on him. I'm not sure if those are legal to bring to events. And he says, oh, but I just I always carry these. You know, that's called that's called the confession. It doesn't it doesn't matter what your reason is for carrying weapons. You can't do it. Could you imagine if like somebody brought a gun to a, a political rally, like for a politician, and they were like, wow, you brought a weapon here, but I always have a weapon. So you're confessing to doing it. But of course, the Time magazine actually wrote an article defending these people. And I kid you not, the article itself basically says that arresting Black Lives Matter supporters who are, who are rioting or engaged in unrest is racist. No joke. No joke. And then we, have, we also have this story, which I find absolutely fascinating. This is from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Pittsburgh police investigating after viral videos of protesters spread on social media. Uh-huh. You may have seen the story. There is a post on Facebook going viral of a woman saying that Black Lives Matter supporters started harassing her and a bunch of other people at a restaurant, grabbing a beer off the table, knocking a glass off the table, screaming in their faces, yelling obscenities. People were getting up and running scared. And what does the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette say? Well, they interviewed these, these, these protesters. It's, an, it's a big misunderstanding. They weren't screaming obscenities at the old people. They were just putting on a show. I kid you not. It was just meant to be snarky and sensational when he was yelling obscenities at these people. And the lady who came and grabbed the beer off the table, 
They told her she could have it. That's right. The, the old people who are seen frantic and angry as she does it, they're just putting on a show too. And that glass the guy threw at the table, just an accident. He was, you know, maybe swatting a bug or something. I don't know. Now, I, I, now that last part is being silly, but they literally just frame this as it was all a misunderstanding. You see, you're only getting one side of the story. Heaven forbid the media actually told you the truth. You know, I, 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 we'll, we'll read about this news and see what happened with this guy. But I, I was reading this piece from uh, Ben Smith of the New York Times, and he was talking about how journalists are not the enemy of the people, but they're also not your friends. And I am I am actually deeply offended by that. Now, I respect Ben Smith. I think that he actually does a, a really good job, but he's an old school, out of touch uh, guy at this point. I don't know. He's not that much. He's not really that old or anything like that. But I think he's just he's he's in the ivory tower bubble. And he has no idea what's been going on. When I point out that they literally tried to kill someone, do we hear it from the New York Times? Do we hear it from these from BuzzFeed, from Vox? Of course not. But I'll tell you what they do. They falsely frame stories to smear people who don't align with their orthodoxy. Yet he doesn't talk about it. He says, well, they're not your friends. No, it's beyond that. They are your enemies. Now, to say enemy of the people, some of them, I, I would say, you could absolutely call say that because some people literally aren't journalists. They just infiltrated and they're lying. But to say we're just not your friends. No, I'll tell you what, man, what's really going on is that there is a malignant tumor in journalism of ineptitude. These are people who don't do any research. You have two big problems. People who don't do research, don't care, don't want to work there. And many of these people quit and go take marketing jobs. So they're sitting in the office like, do I really got to write about this Trump supporter who got killed? A guy hit a car, but whatever. I don't know. And, th- and that's it. They do no research. They, do, they don't even Google. And then they're like, you know, MIT put out a story about, about, about the Chaz saying business owners were never actually threatened or harmed or something to that effect. When, uh, when they're suing the city and there's a bunch of stories about business owners being harassed and threatened and extorted. They say, it's not true. Did you bother search Googling it? The other problem are the overt allies in media that desperately try to frame the, the riots in a positive light because they hate Trump. And that's 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 been the, the, the game, I guess. Well, OK, I've, I've gone on too long. Let's read this. and I'll tell you what's going on. KATU says suspect in Vancouver hit and run turns self in. Police said Monday night, the man accused of hitting another person with his vehicle outside of a Vancouver bar and driving away over the weekend has turned himself in. Now, mind you, this is Vancouver, Washington. Okay, it's not a lot of people just hear Vancouver. They assume it's Canada. This is Washington. Oh, wait, no, this is yeah, Vancouver, Washington. Yeah, here we go. I think it's uh, uh, I I don't know. It's really close to Portland, I guess. Charles R. Holiday Smith, 30, turned himself in Monday afternoon. The crash left Shane Moon in the hospital. His brother Dustin told KATU News that Shane was at Charlie's Sports Bar and Grill on Saturday night celebrating after a memorial for Aaron J. Danielson, who was shot and killed in downtown Portland last month. Danielson has been part of a pro-Trump caravan that had driven into Portland August 29th. Now, it'd be nice if they mentioned he was shot and killed by an Antifa Black Lives Matter individual, but sure. Dustin told KATU that a man came in and started heckling Shane's group of friends. Police said Holiday Smith followed the group from downtown Vancouver and began filming Shane and his friends inside the bar. He was eventually told to leave. Shane and his friends went outside and there was some sort of communication with Holiday Smith. Police then said Holiday Smith got in his truck and hit Shane and fled the parking lot. Dustin said his brother flew 10 feet in the air, hit the roof of the truck. He said Shane suffered a brain bleed and had several fractures. Holiday Smith faces assault and felony hit and run charges. You would think far leftist, 
runs over Trump supporter facing felony charges would be a major national news cycle. Nope. What do you think would happen if it was the other way around? Oh, man, CNN would not shut up about it. Is this Trump's America? Trump supporters are attacking people just to give them the opportunity. Fortunately for the right, the worst they have is there was a rally in Salem, Oregon, and there were some clashes and two Trump supporters got arrested. Not really all that sensational. So there's not much to say other than people scuffled again in, you know, in the Pacific Northwest. But could you imagine if a Trump supporter got in a car and plowed into somebody? There's a video in New York right now where the police let a car through. Actually, I'm not going to talk about that specific instance. I'm going to tell you this, that you follow these, this, this narrative from the mainstream media and they say there have been 100 car attacks, car rammings through, through crowds. And you know what the videos really show? Like a car will be going like one mile an hour as people yell and bang on the car and then the car gets past the crowd and leaves. There's been, there, there's like one instant uh, incident where a guy was driving a truck and a guy throws his motorcycle in front of it. And then the guy just drags the motorcycle and drives off. You know why people aren't sitting around? And in, in the New York case where the person, they, they, they were going like four, like three or four miles an hour. They like just very slowly moved and people got out of the way. And they said they were trying to escape an angry mob who wouldn't do that. Yet they keep, they try to make it seem like cars are crashing into people. They're like the tactic first, first seen in Charlottesville, the tactic. In Charlottesville, you had a guy crash into a group of people, sending them flying and literally killing somebody. These incidents, incidents are just people in their cars being like, I'm surrounded by an angry mob. I need to move. Let's read the story from the Gateway Pundit. They say breaking exclusive Black Lives Matter activist who attempted to kill Trump supporter after memorial for man murdered by Antifa has been arrested. They say the Black Lives uh, from Cassandra Fairbanks over the Gateway Pundit. The Black Lives Matter activist who attempted to kill a Trump supporter has been arrested and will appear in court on Tuesday. As Gateway Pundit previously reported, witnesses had identified the Black Lives Matter activist as Robbie Smith, a Portland area barber and Black Lives Matter activist who has posted calls for violence against the right to his social media pages. Now, I just want to point out, I do not, I am not, I am not a big fan of the Gateway Pundit because they've done a bunch of really dumb stuff. Cassandra, however, I believe does a good job and actually che- uh, checks her facts. So as long as the reporting coming from her, I'm pretty much okay using it, especially considering this has been confirmed by a bunch of other outlets. Cassandra's Fairbanks, uh, Cassandra Fairbanks' reporting is a bit more extensive than many other outlets. You can see this post on social media where uh, this individual says, most people who say they don't like racism just talk about it and words are worthless without action. And it's sad how many people are too cowardly to stand up for their supposed beliefs. He says, if you are racist, run far away from my brothers and I, because we will take action against anyone who ignorantly and blindly hates, (laughs) this is hilarious, who ignorantly and blindly hates against someone for their skin color or demographics. I'm happy to be part of a crew that's nothing but solid, good people who aren't afraid to stand up for what is right and will step up to any plate to defend our values. All right. I wonder what would happen if a black Trump supporter walked up to this crowd. Yeah, the people, these people have an ideology that criticizes you based on the color of your skin. It's critical race theory. It's insane. They're quite literally talking about themselves. They're insane people who are just violent and don't actually have a plan for what they're doing. Cassandra goes on over the weekend. Rex Fergus, who witnessed the attack on Saturday, provided Smith's name and social media to the Gateway Pundit, asserting that he is the one responsible and confirming that it was him. On Monday, according to Proud Boys leader Enrique Tario, as well as Clark County custody records, Charles Robert Holiday Smith was arrested for the attack. 
He has been charged with first degree assault and a hit and run causing injury. Now, the witnesses are saying that's the guy and that's his full name. I don't it, look, his, I guess he goes by Robbie Smith because his name is Charles Robbie Holiday Smith. So Robbie Smith, I suppose it is kind of weird, but there is this, this is the guy. The Vancouver, Washington Police Department has ignored dozens of calls and emails from the Gateway Pundit seeking more information about the case. Moon, a member of the Proud Boys, was in intensive care after being hit by the truck at Charlie's Bar in Vancouver. Following a memorial service, this we know, Smith had been at the bar filming and confronting members of the Proud Boys and Danielson's friends in an apparent attempt to dox them. After he was removed from the bar by security, he became confrontational with Proud Boys who were in the parking lot smoking and just arriving from the memorial. Moon's girlfriend said that she did not believe that there had been a confrontation between her boyfriend and Smith. However, before the hit and run attack. Well, I hate to say it, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm fearful that things are going to get much worse and escalate. Maybe the reason we didn't see a whole lot last night is because it was Labor Day and people wanted to get together and have burgers and do their thing. I mean, I didn't do we, we, we didn't do the IRL podcast. I did my show in the morning and then we took the night off because we had burgers and hung out. And that's Labor Day. Protesters, I guess, take time off. We'll see, though. In, in the past, there have been a few days where it's, you know, lulled. It could be uh, sometimes because the Portland uh, extremists are driving to other cities. But I'll tell you this right now. I'm just hoping that's the end of it. And we don't see any more. Considering the election is coming up less than two months. Ah, man, I, I really don't believe so. I actually think it's going to get really, really bad. And this is just the beginning. Look, man, when you see what happens in, in, in Pittsburgh with this story and how the media is coming to the defense of these people, the only way this stops is with a unified, I don't know, I guess, moral center. If everyone said, hey, if you want to protest for Black Lives Matter, we're cool with that. OK, everybody says that now. All we need is the media and the left to say and stop being violent. They won't. They won't say it. They defend these people. Look at this. This is ridiculous. This story is nuts. They go to talk about how there's a post from this woman saying we were all scared. But then they claim that the people were invited. Look at this craft who identifies as non-binary. I, I guess this is the, the individual, the woman. I, I, well, she identifies as non-binary. So but it looks like it's a woman who grabs the beer, said the videos show only one side of the story and that there were three men from outside the protest who were screaming blue lives matter at the protesters. When protesters began to confront them, one man began swinging a bike at people. Well, we don't have that on video, but I love how Pittsburgh Post-Gazette just says, whatever you say, buddy, we'll run your narrative. Wink, wink. Why don't you get confirmation on this stuff? According to Kraft's account, a man began grabbing Kraft's hair and placed his hand on Kraft's chest, saying he was trying to stop Kraft from engaging with another man. Now, this is really funny. Pittsburgh Post-Gazette doesn't know how to use pronouns, so they just keep saying Kraft, 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 Kraft. When the confrontation ended, Kraft said, a man in the restaurant began condemning the protesters' actions. The woman who was with him offered Kraft to come over, have a beer and talk about the situation. Oh, is that what happened when they were screaming obscenities at old people? They were saying, come on over, keep screaming while you do it. So being a theatrical snarky type of person that I am, I said that I don't have time to wait for you to order another beer. I'll take the one you have. That is not what happened. I cannot believe what I am seeing with this story. Keep in mind. I keep referencing Sean Parnell, but this is his di his district. Well, for the most part, he's uh, in, in the Pittsburgh area. And when he put out a, 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 an ad condemning the extremists, they criticized him for it. Well, now they're trapped. They cannot 
once they've already put out an editorial from the editorial board, a statement saying we can do better. We, they, they cannot admit they were wrong. So what do they do? Oh, oh, you know, they, they invited me over for a beer. And I said, well, I can't wait for you. I don't have time. I'll just take the beer you have. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not what the witnesses said. And that definitely does not look like what's happening. When this individual grabs the beer and starts drinking it, the old lady starts like yelling something at her. I guess she was saying, keep drinking, keep drinking that beer. Yes, thank you. I, I appreciate that you're taking my beer. No, this is just them desperate to try and get a hold of the, uh, of the narrative because, well, this may be one of the most important elections in this cycle. This is Connor Lamb and Sean Parnell. And as you know, both individuals particularly high profile. There's some other story that's come out from uh, Breitbart alleging that I think Jake Tapper was trying to get Sean Parnell to run in a different district or something. I don't know if that's true, but there's a bunch of con- uh, apparently Breitbart has like eight sources on this. I-, I think Jake Tapper denies it, but it suffice it to say this may be the most important district in the country. It is a Republican district, but it flipped Democrat in 2018. And it, every uh, a lot of people believe it's going to flip back to Republican in 2020. And I certainly think so, especially when you watch this stuff. As, I'll tell you what, man, you do not you do not uh, gain credibility when you write stories like this. The people who are reading this are probably shocked. Like this is insane propaganda. Like in what reality does it make sense that a bunch of people screaming obscenities at old people would then be invited over for a beer, take it and smile and walk away smashing glasses. And like, that's not, this is crazy. They're literally telling you not to believe what you saw with your own eyes and ears. Now, the funny thing is the left is the same thing about Trump. But the problem is the media, the media, the media, the media, man. And when I say the media, I'm referring to many institutions, obviously not all. I'm a member of the media. Cassandra is a member of the media. KATU is. But there are elements within the media, like the editorial board of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and their reporters who will do everything in their power to cover up what's going on. Case in point, the next story. These Black Lives Matter protesters had no idea how one arrest could alter their lives. How about you don't riot and you don't bring weapons? It's that simple. Don't resist arrest. There's a video going viral where there's a black dude jogging and a sheriff car uh, pulls up and the sheriff comes out and says, hey, buddy, uh, he's like, listen, I need to detain you. You match a description. I'm not saying you're guilty or anything. I just need to, you know, we're looking for a guy, uh, you know, a black male with a beard wearing a white tank top and shorts. And that's you, you match a description. So I need, I need to talk to you. The dude starts filming and he says, OK. And then the sheriff walks over and says, I'll, you know, I'll take I'll hold your phone for you. It's live streaming. The, the black dude says, if something happens to me, you know, y'all better get upset or something like that. They detain the guy for a few minutes. They pull up, they check. It's not him, but he did fit the description of the guy they were looking for. They uncuff him, say, we're really, you know, we're sorry about this. You just, you match the description. We needed to just do a check. They looked at his ID and the guy was like, all right, cool. And that was the end of it. Because I'll tell you what, when you get detained, you say, okay. And sometimes it goes bad. I've had cops, you know, play, play games with me. Sometimes it goes bad, but you can't fight. You, you, you can't physically fight your way out of these situations. There's no circumstance in which you will overpower the state. What you need to do is fight it at, a, at an administrative level. But many people don't want to do it. Anyway, in this instance, the guy did it. And what it shows is that there, there are circumstances where you can just be calm and everything will be okay. And that's believable when you see a video like this. 
When I see stories like this, these people run from cops, they get into fights, they're carrying weapons, and then they're shocked that they're going to jail. This dude now faces like a year in jail and I think like a $5,000 fine. I'm willing to bet he gets a slap on the wrist. But guess what? Guess what he says? He says the reason he got arrested was because he was black. He goes on to talk about how he was sitting there and all these white people were walking past him and he realized, he realized it was all about the cops being racist. That's right. They were targeting him. Could it have been that someone identified him as having a weapon? He, look, look, he straight up says it. By the end of the night, he was in jail, accused of violating curfew and resisting arrest by fleeing. Police say that as he fled, he was trying to reach into his backpack where they found a taser and a can of bear spray. Item Sandage says he normally carries for self-protection. He was not charged with a curfew violation, but Sandage faced up to a year in prison and a fine of up to $5,000 if convicted of resisting arrest. Worse for Sandage, even though it's a misdemeanor, the charge will show up on background checks, even if he's acquitted or the case is dismissed. You, if, if the case is dismissed, you can actually get it expunged. I've never dealt with anything like this, said uh, Sandage, who didn't have a smudge on his driving record, much less criminal history. When he was arrested, I don't know what I'm going to do now. It's actually quite simple. If you show up, with weapons and flee from the police when they're trying to stop you or search you or whatever. Yeah, you can be you can be arrested and charged. Now, I will say straight up, I think it is very dumb that he's only being charged with resisting arrest. I, I always hated that, right? You can get charged for resisting arrest if you're not being arrested for something else. Well, that doesn't make sense. Shouldn't resisting arrest pertain to you did something arrestable and resisted and they add it on? In, the, in, in many circumstances, the cops try to detain you, you resist, and then they charge you with resisting arrest. I get it, though. It's, it's semantics. You can be detained. And the dude did have weapons. And, the, and he was out past curfew. Did they single him out? Maybe. I'm sure they stopped a bunch of other people. But he said he was sitting there watching a bunch of white people walk past, and they weren't being stopped for curfew at all. Well, I don't think it's a racial issue. I don't. I think you must, you had a backpack and were reaching into it or something happened. I'm not going to immediately jump to race as the issue, but I will, t- I will, I will end by saying this. Of course, the media makes it, uh, the media makes it a race issue. They run to the defense of the extremists. And even in Pittsburgh, they reframe the entire circumstance. And in Oregon, where Antifa guy tried to kill a Trump supporter, they just call it a hit and run. Seriously, most of the media outlets just don't even talk about what really happened. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. Kamala Harris visited the family of Jacob Blake the man who was shot in Kenosha and is now paralyzed, referring to their family as an incredible family and telling him that she was proud of him. And I kid you not, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Democratic Party, their entire premise is that you don't know what's really going on in this country and they're betting on it. And thankfully, they have a mainstream media apparatus desperate to allow this to continue. Why on God's green earth would Kamala Harris refer to Jacob Blake's family as incredible or Jacob Blake? as? uh, Why would you say she's proud of him? Let's break it down. It has been reported several links. I checked and and I'll be very careful here. It does appear that Jacob Blake's father, Jacob Blake Sr., is an unrepentant anti-Semite who posts things so shocking. I have to actually censor it from this video. Is that part of an incredible family? Jacob Blake was was about to be arrested because of a felony warrant. He had assaulted a woman in her own home and came back and she called 911 and the police were trying to stop this man. 
Now, I don't like the fact that Jacob Blake got shot several times. I don't want anybody to get hurt. And it's unfortunate he's now paralyzed. I hope I'm a bit of an idealist in the sense that I, I, I hope that people who commit crimes or in this instance, accused of crimes, he's not been convicted. They can they can they can change. And how many stories have we heard about people who go to prison and they do change? They find faith or they find a reason to do better and they do better. That's what I hope for. So this guy getting paralyzed is, 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 is terrifying. But you know what's shocking to me is that quite literally you have Joe Biden, his campaign, Kamala Harris, the VP, meeting with a man who was wanted for a felony crime, who fought with police, who went to grab a knife and they tried to stop him. And it was tragic. But she's going to go and defend this family, the father, an unrepentant anti-Semite, according to media reports. But, but more importantly, Shay Michelonis, the officer in Vegas who got shot in the head, apparently has not received a visit from anybody. Now, I'm hearing that Trump may have called the family and, and, and talked to them and asked how they were doing. This is a police officer in Vegas who was asked to go out on the graveyard shift to help you know, deal with the issues of the protests. Some of these people are getting out of hand and they needed people to be on the ground to protect everyone else, including the protesters. Mind you, cops do that. We saw in Portland when the when the crazy people threw the Molotov lit one of their own on fire and the cops came in to save him. The cops are not evil demons. There are issues with police. I've talked about it several times, but here we, we, we can see the true nature of what's happening in this country. I am not a staunch law and order individual. I am not in favor for the most part of overall authority. In fact, I'm rather anti-authoritarian and I've been a bit rebellious. It's why I run my own company and why I didn't want to work for anybody else. I'm going to do what I want to do. Ain't nobody can tell me what I can or can't do. Uh, well, except the law, I guess. But you get the point. So I'm not in favor of expanding police powers. I'm not in favor of a police state. I don't like the idea of Trump having to send in federal law enforcement, but I don't like the idea of lawlessness. And quite literally now, you have the Democratic Party saying we will defend wanted criminals, alleged criminals, people wanted for committing crimes, allegations, and unrepentant anti-Semites. Now, is this because the, the Republican Party and conservatives want law and order, want structure, want peace and harmony. And the Democrats are evil, snarling villains who want chaos and destruction. No, that's a bit extreme. That's an extreme view of things. The reality is maybe even worse than that. The Democrats don't care. They don't have a strategy or a plan. All they know is that, look, the Democrats are supporting this guy for whatever reason. I'm going to go support him. Are you, where's your principles, man? Now, maybe, look, you want to make a statement about it? I think the statement is very, very simple. For me personally, Jake, I'm, I'm sad to hear that you got shot in this way. I, I hope you recover. I hope, I hope the pain subsides. I hope you make a full recovery. I hope, uh, and, and in that regard, I hope there's justice for the, the alleged victim. And I, my, my advice would be, don't fight with cops. Don't try and grab a knife. They were screaming, drop the knife. This is what's come out. We need, we need a proper investigation and hearing into exa exactly what happened. But too often, the people we see that receive the riots are criminals. Isn't that weird? You know, I want to I want I want to say I think the, the, the main issue is that Democrats just don't care. But what about the far left? What do they care about? Now, the Democrats are saying we need to somehow filter the far left in such a way that traditional liberals will vote for it. That's the name of the game. 
That's what Kamala Harris does. She says, oh, this poor victim, I'm going to go and, and, and talk to him. And again, I'm not happy about what happened. But come on, man, you need to chill out a little bit. Maybe go talk to the police officers who have been injured. Here's what the far left wants, however. The far left riots for the criminals on purpose. They are saying defund the police. They are saying abolish the police. They are saying abolish prisons. I'm not making that up. That's what they're saying. How can you filter that in such a way so the Democrats can use it? They strip out certain parts of it and then throw it in the face of traditional liberals who are like, wow, this racism. And then the liberals turn on CNN and what do they get? Garbage. Now, these are traditional liberals, not politically active liberals. I guess you can consider me to be like a politically uh, uh, active liberal, a disaffected liberal. You start watching all this go down and it gets really, really annoying after a certain amount of time because many of us know what's happening. It makes me wonder how much of my life has been fra- uh, my, 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 how, how much of my life experiences have been framed through a fake media narrative because they're protecting Democrats. And I'll tell you this, a lot of it. And I started to see glimpses, glimpses of this a long time ago. And I think the internet is really helping open the door for people to realize we're being lied to. We're, we're absolutely being lied to. The question I would have is, did Kamala Harris visit Andorn? Did she visit the family of Captain David Dorn, who had his life taken from him? What about any of the other victims? What about Aaron Danielson? I mean, for that matter, has Trump, has Trump visited any of these people? I'd like to see more focus on Shea Michelonis. He was an officer. He didn't attack anybody. He was just out doing his job. And someone, some Black Lives Matter extremist decided to put a bullet in his head. And that is horrifying and beyond... uh, (sighs) So far of a line, I don't even know where it is anymore. Look, when it comes to Jacob Blake, you have controversy. When it comes to Michael Brown, controversy. Trayvon Martin, controversy. I don't like any of the pain and suffering that comes out of this, but it's not so simple. It's not so simple. Guess what? Shane Michelonis is simple. Protests happened. The cops were asked to come out. He went out and said, okay. And it, you got, there's a video of what happened. It's, it's been released in the court. He wasn't confronting anybody. He wasn't yelling at anybody. He wasn't attacking anybody. And some dude decided to put a bullet in him. That is, in, it's absolutely insane. And where's the media coverage around this? Where's the national stories? I have been trying to dig into this guy's story, and it's very difficult to find anything. What I have found is that he has not been visited by any president, but it may have been that, uh, I believe, uh, one report I saw, Trump contacted his family. So I think that may be the case. He's raised about three quarters, uh, three quarters of a million, about $750,000 for his recovery. And I believe now the family is trying to divert much of those funds to other injured officers. But I want you to think about these circumstances right now with Kamala Harris going to meet Jacob Blake's family. The, the, the circumstances are simple. Cop doing his job, not confronting anybody. Now he's permanently paralyzed. They say he may be on a ventilator for life. I don't know what the latest update's been. And that's, and that, and that's, that's sad and scary. Jacob Blake also paralyzed, but from the waist down still has, you know, upper use of his body, but wanted on felony charges. Who gets the press attention and who gets the riots? Not the officer, a relatively young man just going out, having his life changed forever, essentially taken from him. Let me let me let me read some of this. The National Review says Democratic vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris spoke with Jacob Blake on Monday, telling the 29 year old who was shot in the back that she was proud of him. Blake told uh, Blake, quote, told Senator Harris he was proud of her. And the senator told Jacob that she was also proud of him and how he was working through his pain. Harris spoke with Blake, 
who was in the hospital with massive internal injuries and is paralyzed below the waist after the shooting via phone while meeting with some of his family in the airport after she landed. You know, I, I do want to say innocent until proven guilty, 100%. Just on the surface, though, I would at least expect some attention to the officer who's been seriously injured as well, because he wasn't being attacked or targeted. I, 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 what I mean to say is he wasn't attacking or targeting anybody, and he was attacked and targeted. Jacob Blake, they were serving a warrant. Now, to be fair, to be completely fair, I want to I want to be, I wanna, look, I, I, I try to empathize with everybody, even if they're a criminal or accused of being a criminal. Jacob Blake has not been, not been convicted of, of a crime here. He did fight with cops. We can see it on the video. And so that, that does play a role. But I'm, I, look, she's saying she's proud of him because he's fighting through the pain and working on recovery. I get that. Okay. To, to, to have a little bit of empathy, I can, I can certainly understand this guy. I wouldn't wish paralysis on anybody. I'm against the death penalty. I know there are a lot of conservatives that are very serious about, you know, getting rid of the worst of the worst. I only, my, my personal opinion is that lethal force should only be applied in self-defense. That's just me. You can disagree with me. That's fine. If we have control over an, an individual and they're not posing a threat, then I don't believe that. That's why I don't believe in the death penalty. It, it presents very serious challenges that I don't think I'm smart enough to answer, to be completely honest. But in this regard with Jacob Blake, it was self-defense. And therein lies the, the, the bigger problem. If you want to praise the guy and say, you know, you're going to make it through this pain outside of any accusations or the things he, we've seen him do on camera, I get that. I'm just, I'm, this is just another story in a long line of they rioted for a guy who was doing something wrong. Whether or not the allegations are true, he was fighting with cops. They tried to tase him and he went for a knife. The cops found the knife and he said he had a knife. And so what are they supposed to do? I've seen the videos of what happens to cops when they ignore these things. You get you get messed up bad, permanently disfigured or killed very, very quickly with a knife. There's videos going around. People seem to think guns are more effective than they really are. Like you got to You got to hit the right spot. So if you're defending yourself with a firearm and you're and, and you miss, there's a video going viral right now of a, of a guy shooting a suspect several times. The suspect gets the other cop in a headlock and then grabs the cop's gun. So, yeah, knives can be extremely dangerous. I'm tired of hearing stories about individuals who are doing wrong and then all of these leftists come out and cheer for them. And that and that and that it tells you something. We know the far left wants to abolish the police. They don't want anyone going to prison. Think about who they defend and think about their goals. No prisons, no police, defund the police, community policing, whatever it means. I'll tell you what's going to happen. People like Jacob Blake will go into a woman's home, be, will commit a crime for which he is accused and there will be nothing you can do to stop him. Unless, of course, you're armed as well, but they also want to take our guns away. Now, to be fair, the far left is not anti-gun. Seriously, people need to understand this. The far left is very pro-gun. That's why you see these, these you know, Red Guard, whatever they call themselves, walking around with a red, Redneck Revolt is a good, good example. John Brown Gun Club, far left groups, far left militias, they exist. Now, for the longest time, the right has been more likely to be armed and defend that. It's mainstream conservatives and many liberals. This is this is actually true as well. Many Democrat voters, traditional liberals are in favor of gun rights. That's why we see these union workers yelling at Joe Biden. So here's what I see happening. You've got mainstream Democrats filtering what they're doing now to the public. They're saying things like abolish prisons, abolish the police. And then the Democrats come out and and, and tone it all down and say, no, no, we just want to reallocate funding. Joe Biden was asked, 
do you would you support reallocating funds away from police? And he says, yes, absolutely. Now he's come out and said the only person who wants to defund the police is Donald Trump. Well, Black Lives Matter quite literally has that as part of their mission statement, defunding the police. But more importantly, what Biden then says, I'm calling for more money, 300 million for 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 community policing. Oh, there's that word again. Community. What does that mean? Well, the left is saying defund the police because they want to reallocate it towards community policing. So is Joe Biden really for defunding the police or for funding the police? Look, I don't know what Joe Biden's for, to be honest, because he flip flops his position too often. Is he saying that we should stop where we are and give more money so they can create a new branch? I actually would be in favor of that. And if that's the case, sure. But he's also talked about reallocating funds away from police, which is the textbook definition of defunding the police. If you can't answer the question honestly, and if you tell someone when they ask you, you are in favor of this, why should I believe you're not? So I don't know what Joe Biden wants to do. In fact, the only reason I think he's coming out now saying I don't want to defund the police is because he knows it's a weak point for him and his internal polls are showing the riots are bad news. Well, here we go. I'm supposed to be reading the story, but I'm sorry, man. This story made me angry. It made me angry because of this. All right. Family of Vegas police officer Shay McAlonis speaks on recovery and support. This story is from August 21st. Why isn't this guy the story? Why isn't this man's recovery national news? Why aren't we talking about this dude who was just out, asked to patrol the protest, got shot in the head? Because you know what? I've never been a big fan of Republicans, and I'll, t- and I'll even call out a lot of conservative media. Because what they do very often is just follow the narrative of the mainstream media. Think about when they came out and said, Donald Trump called the troops losers and suckers in the World War One dead. How many conservatives immediately just jumped on it and tried to own the libs? Too many. And I started saying they're trying to take the narrative back. Don't let them. People are dying and dead now. Okay, am I supposed to care that Donald Trump said mean words two years ago? Spare me. I don't care. Donald Trump is an a-hole. We all know it. I don't think it's going to change. And a lot of people like it. I personally don't. But I do think it's funny sometimes when Trump pushes back on the lunatics in media. Okay, but I'll tell you this. What we need is to talk about the riots. We need to keep a focus on it. We need law and order. And I'm, I'm not someone who wants to see an expansion of police powers or laws. I don't like the application of terror law on many of these people because if it's already a crime, it's a crime. And we don't need to expand upon it further. But Donald Trump has been talking about this. What do we see? Well, the media comes out and says, Donald Trump called the troops losers. They give Trump this softball, the T-ball, not even, you know, it's not even fair to call it T-ball. It was, it was a Potemkin press conference where the journalists stand up and they say things like, you know, Joe, Joe Biden, you, you have been in favor of wearing masks and Donald Trump's plan on COVID has caused untold dead. As president, would you agree with us that you're the best? And Joe Biden's like, oh, you know, yeah, I'm the best. They, 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 they listen. When, when it comes to press conferences, they say that they tee up the person, giving him a softball to answer. They didn't even do that. They stood up and opined. And then Biden just said, yes. They quite literally walked over to the edge of the ballpark, threw it outside of the stadium and then said, it was a home run, Joe. And then Joe goes, oh, what? oh look fat. The point is a bunch of conservatives jumped right onto this and started complaining, saying, how dare you? They fell right into the trap. But you know what? I think many of them just like to play that game because their identity is built upon owning the libs. So whatever the left is doing, they react to. And that's it. How many people actually said, I don't care about Trump saying these things. I want to talk about this officer. I want him to get support. I want him to get to, to, to get more attention. Do you know what the left does? They set the standard. And then too many on the right just roll along with it. 
So when they come out and they say Jacob Blake is the poor victim and then mass protests erupt, where's the protest for this guy from anyone? Why aren't people standing up and peacefully marching and saying his life mattered? To be fair, there are people who do this, to be completely fair. But why isn't it bigger? I mean, look, I, I, I'll, I'll be fair about this. It's, it could be because conservatives tend to be outside of urban areas, and it's much harder to get all of the people from around the country to come into a single position. But this creates the illusion on the left that their rallies are bigger, more, uh, better organized. And in a sense, sometimes they are. I'm just talking about national media. I'm tired of conservatives chasing after the left on this one. Now, now again, I must stress when it comes to issues of police brutality, when it comes to issues of the rise of critical race theory, conservatives have been on the front line and liberals, politically homeless individuals, mostly disaffected liberals, have stood back and done nothing and just sat there and watched saying, yes, we agree with you. We don't like those people. It's rather frustrating for me to see many of these liberals who won't agree with you know Republicans on a ton of things, but agree with them on the fundamental issues and the things that are important refuse to stand up and defend them. For too long, it has been only conservatives who have actually been pushing back on the far left narrative and their lies, especially around the fact, you know, when when they go and riot for criminals. Well, now liberals are starting to stand up and they're starting to push back and they're starting to join in. So that I can, I can, I can, I can respect and give credit to conservatives for. Too many traditional liberals, however, refuse to engage and then get fed the BS from the media. So Kamala Harris can, can, you know, go to this event and say, I'm proud of Jacob Blake. And then all of these normie liberals who don't pay attention, don't know anything about him are just like, oh, I guess in the end, I can only really blame the mainstream media. And I can give you some some good news to end off uh, on all of this. I, I, I want to make sure that I do better than many of these other outlets and make sure I, I, I help keep a focus on innocent people, pe- people like Shay. I don't know a lot about him. Maybe he's a bad dude, whatever. Fine, right? He was a cop doing his job, and now he's going to be par- and now he's paralyzed. So at the very least, we can say, shouldn't he get a, 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 like, shouldn't he get 10 percent of the recognition or, or acknowledgement that Jacob Blake is getting? I mean, he was a victim of a crime, but it's just not it doesn't it just doesn't matter to people. So anyway, listen, I'll give you good news. I try to do I try to do better when I, when I when I cover these stories. I try to make sure I'm paying attention to what's going on with with officers like this who have been, you know, seriously injured in the line of duty. And I get right now around 50 just a little, just over 50% of what CNN gets in terms of YouTube viewership. And that's with YouTube helping CNN. I believe independent commentary and real real talk is I, I believe that we are taking over and we will, there, there will come a point where we shift the tides and the, the narrative will not be emerging from the likes of CNN and, and, and BuzzFeed and Vox and MSNBC or the New York Times, for that matter. There will come a point where the news cycle will be set by us just on, on these platforms. It's not necessarily today, but we're getting to that point. The beltway bubble of political journalists is shrinking because people aren't going to them for news anymore. They're going on social media. They're going to YouTube. On YouTube, you can get my opinion on the matter. You can get David Pakman's. You can get Steven Crowder's. You can get Kyle Kalinske. You can get Sticks Hexenhammer. And we do not all agree. In fact, even like we probably all disagree to varying degrees. But you can get progressive, liberal, conservative, moderate, etc. If you come to YouTube, 
If you go to these other platforms, other, other sites, even Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, it's distilled. So YouTube is a better place if it can be done properly. I think it will be. And I think we're winning. I absolutely do. Based on the metrics and based on what's going on, I think we're winning. You can tell that these people who are following the likes of Kamala Harris and the DNC, maybe they win come November. Maybe they win. But I'll tell you this. This this may be the last, the last ditch effort of the dying establishment. There's a reason why Trump won in 2016. He narrowly won in some states, but he had a great victory in the Electoral College. They never saw it coming because the mainstream press is dying and they can't tell what's happening around them. It is only worse today. And we have studies to prove it. No joke from uh, uh, I think it's a university at Illinois, Champaign, Urbana or whatever university is called. We know it's getting smaller. Think about what's going to be like in 2024. The narrative is going to be driven by independent commentary and not mainstream news. While these big publications like the New York Times and the Atlantic may be seeing an increase in subscribers, overall net subscribers to many of these platforms, it's, it's on the decline. Ratings are technically on the decline, and only because of Trump are they artificially inflated. If Trump loses, the establishment's gone. So maybe Joe Biden wins. Maybe there's four more years. But 2024, if, 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 if you think I get a lot of views now, I mean, imagine what it's going to be like in four years. It's going to be really interesting to say the least. But here's the funniest part. The mainstream press doesn't even know I exist. No joke. They don't talk about it. They don't talk about what we talk about. They don't even know what we're talking about. And that's why so many liberals are starting to wake up to what's happening, because they're actually going online and watching the news. Almost every single story I've heard about walking away from the Democratic Party are people. It's it's people saying, I decided to research for myself and I found out the media was lying. And that's Trump's true opponent right now. Joe Biden is not a functional candidate, but the media will make it seem like he is. It's an illusion. The media will finish his sentences for him. It's a trick. We're going to change the game. It's time people start telling stories they want to tell. It's time people start tweeting about things they care about. And the mainstream media will lose its stranglehold on the narrative and the narrative will collapse. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It's my other channel, my main channel. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. Who would have thought that several years ago when Donald J. Trump took a picture of himself eating a taco bowl saying, I love Hispanics, that this would help him secure the majority of the Latino vote. I'm kidding, by the way. It's a funny picture, and I thought it would be hilarious to bring up. But the real news actually is significant. From political polls, Florida NBC News poll among Hispanic voters, Trump 50%, Biden 46 It's not just that Donald Trump is beating Joe Biden among Hispanic voters. It's that in, if he's got he's up 15 points from 2016. So actually, maybe this image hurt Trump. Maybe taking a picture of himself eating a taco bowl wasn't exactly what Hispanic voters were looking for. But uh, nonetheless, today, Trump's doing really, really well. And you know, he's doing really, really well among many other minority groups. Notably, the black vote is supposed to be high for Trump this election cycle. We'll see how it plays out. Now, keep all that in mind. I did do a whole segment on mail-in voting being broken, but let's at least entertain what's happening in swing states with minority voters. Now, I think this is a really important segment because I've often talked about the black vote, but what about Hispanic voters? How do they feel? Check this out from the Miami Herald. Biden is struggling to win Miami Latinos. 
new poll finds? Will it cost him Florida? Yes, that's literally how polls work. If Joe Biden isn't doing well in them, it means he's not going to win, right? Okay, okay, to be fair, they're saying Latinos as the key demographic could uh, uh, shift things in Trump's favor. They say four years after getting trounced in Miami-Dade County by Hillary Clinton, President Donald Trump has increased his odds of victory in his must-win home state on November 3rd by improving his standing in Florida's most populous county, according to a poll by Ben Dixon and Amandi International and the Miami Herald. The poll of 500 likely Miami-Dade voters uh, released Tuesday found Trump far behind Democratic presidential uh, uh, nominee Joe Biden, 38% to 55 in Miami-Dade, where Democrats typically need to run up the score in order to compete in statewide races. That 17-point deficit is well outside the poll's 4.4 percentage point margin of error. But Trump doesn't need to win Miami-Dade. He just needs to do better in the Democrat-leaning county to offset possible losses in other parts of Florida. In 2016, he lost Miami-Dade to Hillary Clinton by 30 points, about 290,000 votes, but won the state by 1.2% of the total vote. Quote, if you're the Biden campaign looking at these numbers, I think there's reason for pause, said Fernand, Fernand Armandi, the Miami-based pollster and Democratic strategist behind the poll. If Biden underperforms in what should be one of the strongest counties and is certainly the largest county for Democratic votes in the state of Florida, it might imperil his chances of winning Florida unless there is a massive white voter exodus from Trump in other parts of the state. Now, this is the craziest thing about these stories. For some reason, Donald Trump is losing white voters and gaining Hispanic and black voters. Meanwhile, he's being called racist in the media. Don't ask me. I have no idea what's going on. I think no one does. And everyone's pretending to. It got to a certain point where I'm looking at all these polls and they all say wildly different things. I mean, have you even looked at the real clear politics average for Trump? You got one poll. Trump is up four. Trump is up two. Trump is down 16. Okay. Well, which is it? Because that's a pretty serious swing. I mean, 24 points between two polls. I don't know what to believe. But I do think it's fair to say that it makes sense that Trump is improving among minorities because he's actually reaching out to them and trying really hard to get minority votes over to the Republican Party. And the left is being dominated by this fringe cult of intersectionality and Trump derangement syndrome. So yeah, they say that they say the Ben Dixon and Amandi poll conducted September 1st to the, to the 4th wasn't all bad news for Biden. Biden led Trump 51 to 33 among Miami-Dade County's independent voters and 48 to 44 among white voters. Biden was also winning 16% of Republicans. But the poll found the former vice president splitting Hispanic voters with Trump, with Trump at 47 and Biden at 46. Now that's the real number. Probably the reason they framed the story as, well, what about Miami? Is that the number they could lead with was very bad for Trump. Well, yes, you pick a major urban center and that's what you're going to see statewide. Trump is winning, especially according to the NBC News poll of Florida. Trump isn't just winning. He's at 50 percent. They say those numbers based on uh, on smaller polling subsets with larger margins of error. Oh, there it is. No, no, just wait. Trump's not really winning are driven by Trump's increased support among conservative leaning Cuban Americans who supported Trump over Biden in the poll by a crushing 38 points. Just eight years ago, those voters roughly split their votes between Mitt Romney and Obama. Quote, 
Democrats are potentially leaving Cuban votes on the table that they won in the past, which could very well make a difference in a state as tight as Florida, said Amandi, whose firm produced Spanish language ads for the 2012 Obama campaign. The poll comes as Trump and Biden head into the final stretch to win Florida, where most public statewide polls show Biden with a small lead. Latino voters have emerged as a key swing voting block in recent elections. Two years ago, margins among Puerto Ricans in central Florida and Cuban Americans in Miami-Dade helped swing razor tight elections in favor of Republicans in races for governor and U.S. Senate. You know what I don't understand about, uh, about a lot of these voting demographics? They say in order to win the black community, you got to go through the church. I mean, that sounds very conservative. The, the, the left is not Christian or Catholic or religious in any way. Well, actually, I don't, I don't know which, which sect of the uh, Christianity that the black church is. I actually don't know a whole lot about Christianity, but I can tell you this. If you're going to come to me and say, in order to win that vote, you got to go through the church. My first response is, why aren't these people voting Republican? And my second question is, why aren't Republicans going and talking to these churches? I mean, Kanye West came out and talked about this. Now, as it pertains to Latino voters, Hispanic voters, they're all they're very, very different. Joe Biden gaffed when he talked about the black community, saying that they are essentially a monolith. And then he got in trouble for it because it's just not true. There are many black conservatives and there are many black people who emigrated here. Now, when it comes to Latino voters, you've got a lot of people who fled socialist states, people who fled Cuba or Venezuela. They're not going to be voting for Joe Biden. But I want to show you one more reason why people likely will not be voting for Joe Biden. Not the same Joe Biden. White House stenographer says former VP's mental acuity has deteriorated. Perhaps one big reason that Joe Biden is not doing so well in certain areas is because there are people who aren't indoctrinated by the Trump derangement syndrome, far left, whatever. And you've got people of all different backgrounds who are looking at Joe Biden saying, dude ain't all there, to say the least. I can't believe that they would entertain the possibility that Joe Biden could win. Like, I guess they have to. Like, what are they going to do? Is the media going to come out and just be like, there's no way Joe Biden can win? Well, actually, they did that for Hillary Clinton and Trump. They said Trump could never win. But I look at Joe Biden first, and I see a man who, as Joe Rogan put it, it's like Joe Rogan said one of the greatest, gave one of the greatest analogies of what Biden represents. He says, voting for Joe Biden, and I'm paraphrasing, is like taking a flashlight with dying batteries as you're walking into the woods for a long hike. It's not going to go well. And, And like that really summed it up. I don't care what your background is. That makes perfect, perfect sense. Like, you really going to vote for this guy and then expect him to run for two terms? No way, dude. As soon as this guy gets elected, he's going to go to sleep. Kamala Harris is going to be in charge. And who wants her to be president? I'm not convinced any of these minority communities do, I guess. Now, white suburban voters, potentially, because I've heard stories that they view Kamala as kind of a dictator who's going to go and just arrest random people for no reason. But hey, as long as it leaves them alone, where does it leave us? Well, if you're someone who believes in freedom, you're not going to like Kamala Harris. You're not going to like Joe Biden. You're especially not going to like the Black Lives Matter insanity where they're going around smashing things and burning things to the ground. And what do you do? What do you do, man? Well, I'll tell you what. There's an assumption that many in the Hispanic community are not super progressive. I think I've I've looked at data that suggests they're not as conservative as people think they are. A lot of people think that Hispanic voters are very Christian and conservative. It's not necessarily true, but more so, it's my understanding, than many people in urban areas, many white people especially uh, many black voters are particularly religious. It's based upon that that I wonder 
how we could be looking at a media cycle that says sleepy Joe Biden, who can who, who mutters and mumbles and, is, and struggles to speak and is talking to a prompter who is in entertaining far left socialist, which should offend many Hispanics and not like, I don't know, what's the right word? Ultra progressive or far left, which should be offensive to many conservative Christian types. How is this guy considered to be the front runner? That's the weirdest thing to me. And then I realized it's very simple, actually. It's the media. They lie. Ah, there it is. Of course. I knew that. Come on. You take a look at the poll I showed you from the Miami Herald, and they're like, Trump is is losing by 17 points in Miami. And he's winning in the state, you know, by one point. But uh, but but there's a margin of error. So Biden could be winning. How many polls have said that about Trump? When Trump gets close to Biden, do they say, well, that's actually the margin of error and Trump could be winning? They don't. They say Trump's losing because they want people to click. And that's a selling point. It's going to be a really interesting election, mind you, because you've got Hispanic voters and you've got black voters coming out for Trump more so than we've seen in the past. Trump is changing the tribes. They're shifting in weird ways. I, I, I think we're going to end up with the cult of intersectionality on one side and those willing to lie to gain power and everyone else on the other. Hopefully the cult of intersectionality doesn't gain that much power and hopefully they don't take over. Trump's seeing to that. Hopefully he succeeds. But in the end, I think we're all going to be shocked by the results of this election, assuming we actually get them because, you know, mail-in voting. But I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Did you know that there is something beyond get woke, go broke? I know. I know. Maybe shocking. Now, for those that aren't familiar, get woke, go broke is the idea that these big companies will embrace wokeness or the far left in order to make money. And then it backfires on them and gets worse. But there's actually something a degree further than getting woke. And it's getting communist authoritarian and then going broke. I kid you not. The story from Reason. Disney thanks Chinese labor camp authorities in Mulan credits. Woo! We reached some kind of threshold. I'm loving this year. I got to tell you, man, it's been crazy. Hasn't everything been crazy? So much so that this certainly can't be reality. Now, I commented on this on Twitter. I said something like, I laughed and said, 2020 is so nuts. It's kind of like we're all in a TV show and the writers have run out of things to suggest. So they've just gone nuts. And then we find out that Principal Skinner is actually Armin Tamzarian. You know, I don't know if you guys get that reference. Apparently, some people on Twitter didn't get it. It's the point at which uh, Simpsons ha- was considered to have jumped the shark with their sheer absurdity. Disney made the movie Mulan, and apparently they filmed it near Xinjiang, near the, the, the concentration camps in China. And so they thanked the authorities. Could you imagine like a movie coming out thanking the Nazis? That's insane. Disney, what are you doing? They've gone well beyond woke. They're straight up thanking the concentration camp people. Here's the story from Reason. They say the new Mulan movie is facing a barrage of criticism and promises to boycott for filming near Chinese concentration. <laughs> I know it's horrifying. I know it. Listen, I gotta be serious. What China's doing is nightmarish, okay? Absolutely nightmarish. And I don't know what we do. Sanctions, we, we, but, but it needs to stop. But I'm laughing, okay? Not at that circumstance. I'm laughing at the absolute sheer absurdity of Disney filming near Chinese concentration camps and thanking the Chinese Communist Party for the privilege. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, man, 
I like to have a positive outlook on life. You know, I like to laugh at things. I don't want to get down, but I could tell you this could be one of the most horrifying things we've ever seen. Think about it. Major American companies praising the Chinese Communist Party for allowing them to film near their concentration camps. Remember when the NBA had that thing? Remember when Blizzard had that thing? There's too many companies. They're praising China. This is what nightmares are truly made of. No joke. Now, it's funny because at a certain point, what can you do? We're all on this roller coaster and it's just going faster and faster. And eventually you're like, well, I have no idea where things are going, man. But hey, why not laugh about it instead of freaking out? They go on to say the film, a live action version of the 1998 Disney cartoon by the same name, is based on Chinese folklore about a young woman, Hua Mulan, who pretends to be a boy so that she can fight in her father's place when he is conscripted into the Chinese army. In a sense, it's a tale about cleverness, bravery, and familial love helping to overcome hardships brought about by a violent and overbearing government. That makes Disney's filming location, Xinjiang, an extra slap in the face. Xinjiang is where China has been holding Uyghurs in concentration camps and subjecting them and other Muslim minorities to horrible human rights abuses. The human rights abuses under, uh, going on in China right now are so horrific that I can't actually say some of these things on YouTube because YouTube would take my video down. But how about I tell you some of them? Organ harvesting, for instance. Now, there's theories about what they're doing. If I go into detail about what they're doing with these organs, I could get in serious trouble. YouTube might actually say, whoa, whoa, that is too shocking for the average person. We must remove your video. And that's how scary it is. Now, they go on to say the representation I'm sorry, the repression of ethnic Uyghurs and Kazakhs in western part of the country has been increasingly brutal and systematic, explained Daniel Dresner at Reason in April. The erection of a massive network of internment facilities, prisons and forced labor camps speaks to the regime's ruthlessness and deep illiberalism. Illiberalism. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. The the, the woke left is illiberal. This is like dystopian murderous dictatorship. We'll try and frame it, you know, as it is. Which brings us back to Mulan. After the movie's Friday release, observers noted that in the final credits, Disney offers special thanks to eight government entities in Xinjiang, including the Public Security Bureau in Turpan, a city in eastern Xinjiang where several re-education camps have been documented, notes The Guardian. In addition, the film also expresses thanks to the publicity department of the CPC Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomy Region Committee. What? the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda department in Xinjiang. Disney has been approached for comment. Activists calling for a boycott of the film are now highlighting its links to Xinjiang. Well, uh, I'm, I'm probably pronouncing Xinjiang wrong. While other researchers noted that the Public Security Bureau in Turpan oversees at least 14 internment camps in the area. <laughs> I can't believe this is where we are as a country, huh? Wow. You know, we used to be the country that uh, uh, outright opposed this kind of fascistic authoritarianism. I say fascistic, okay, because it's actually communist. I wonder, though, I mean, I've heard stories of back during World War II, there were American companies that supported the Nazis, and it wasn't until the war was declared that they all started, or, or just slightly before, they started, you know, backing away from these things and starting con- started condemning these, you know, the, the, the Nazi party. I mean, I'm pretty sure there was a Nazi party in America. There's a communist party in America. There are Chinese communists doing these things. Are we going to call them out and force companies to divest from these horrific nightmarish practices? 
or I'm sorry, divest from from endeavors that support these nightmarish practices. Here's one tweet. It says Mulan specifically thanked the publicity department of CPC Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region Committee in the credits. You know, the place where the cultural genocide is happening. They filmed extensively in Xinjiang, which the subtitles call Northwest China. Oh, man. Oh, I never thought it would be this ridiculous. It's sufficiently astonishing that it bears repeating. Disney has thanked four propaganda departments and a public security bureau in Xinjiang, a region in northwest China that is the site of one of the world's worst human rights abuses happening today, writes the Washington Post contributor Isaac Stonefish. Disney has a long and ongoing relationship with China where its films often find success in theaters and where its Shanghai Disneyland theme park resides, notes The Verge. And the company is expecting the new Mulan to do well in China, where unlike the US, it will actually be shown in theaters. Theatrically, Mulan has generated $6 million in limited markets, including Thailand, Malaysia, and Singapore. In its first weekend, the film is slated to be released in China on September 11th, The Verge adds. Rabe Suave says, I'm really not a big fan of boycotts, but there's probably a good case to be made for refusing to see Mulan. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm not a big fan of boycotts, but I'm willing to engage in them in certain circumstances. In this regard, look, I don't even have Disney Plus, so who am I kidding? Not like they're going to lose a customer off me anyway, but geez, I would not be promoting anything having to do with Disney. I mean, you also have the, the, the fact that they've just been kind of mutilating a lot of the intellectual property they have anyway. It's already bad enough. Why would you want that? But I tell you this, Maybe you, you want to watch The Mandalorian or something, and you're like, you know, I'll get Disney Plus now. I'll think about it. Well, here's what I want you to do. Whenever you're hanging out with somebody and they're talking about, like, oh, the new season of Mandalorian or, or Star Wars, you want to watch these movies, just, just say, like, yeah, yeah. And, and also, you want to support the concentration camps in China, right? No. <laughs> no. I don't think anybody wants to do that unless, you know, you live in China and you work for the Communist Party or something. But maybe people will now stop and, and, and think about what it means when you allow these companies to do things like this. When you allow the NBA to say the things they've said, when, when, what was it? Was it LeBron? I, I think it was when they were like, oh, I shouldn't be intervening in what China's doing. Like they're suppressing civil rights and harvesting organs. And that's not even the worst. Isn't that, it's, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I, I can't, I can't tell you that the stuff they're doing. Seriously. That's how bad it is. You don't even want to know, man, to be completely honest. You Google it, you're going to be upset. No joke. Let's just, let's just say it's like on par with the Nazis, man. No joke. Disney decided to forego a U.S. theatrical release and sell the movie directly to Disney Plus. Uh, Disney Plus users for $30 plus the price of a Disney subscription fee. Whether or not pressure from protesters to boycott Mulan worked may remain unclear for a while. Since, quote, Disney doesn't have to disclose how many digital copies of Mulan it sold via Disney Plus. Mulan's release has already been tied to a huge spike in Disney Plus app downloads, suggesting political pressure may do, uh, may do little to dampen the film's U.S. popularity. Well, I guess we'll see. But I think they're going to do fine, to be completely honest. You know why? I don't think anybody, for the most part, really cares about what China is doing. And it worries me. How is it that they're, re- they're releasing movies in this foreign country? They expect to make more money, so they don't care about the U.S. No theatrical release. You got Disney Plus, you buy it anyway. That's what we're aiming for. We're going to promote it that way. It is scary to me when businesses support China because it, it, it suggests that in a global capitalist system, China's more valuable. We'd rather sell our products over there than over here. The NBA would rather sell out their values in America 
if it means making money in China, and China's got a billion people. So you know what they're thinking? What's our market cap in the US? 30, 50 million people. What's our market cap in China? 300 to 500 million people, 10 times. So you know what? I think I see where their, where their favor lies in the sweet, sweet green, baby. They want to make money and they don't care where it comes from. And I'm not surprised. This is why I'm not a laissez-faire capitalist. This is why I don't think you should just let the system run, run, you know, run as is. I think you need some kind of regulation. I don't like the idea of massive multinational corporations selling us out to foreign countries that have concentration camps. So I'm actually in favor of some kind of law in that regard. We'll see how this plays out, but I'll leave it there. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. From Jonathan Turley, ACLU official attacks university for admitting Nick Sandman while professor promises to monitor his conduct. What conduct? I tell you, man, there ain't no rest for the wicked, but apparently there ain't no rest for people who literally did nothing either. Nick Sandman, you know who he is? He's a kid who was wearing a MAGA hat and he was standing still. That's it. And lo and behold, they will not let him rest. They don't care. Now, look, I get it. Nick Sandman did go and speak at the RNC, but come on, the kid literally did nothing. And they want to monitor his conduct now. They're going to chase him around and try and destroy his life because they were wrong. That is not a, con- that is not a country I would want to live in. I don't, I don't know or care about who this kid is or what he's doing. He's a kid, okay? Even if uh, he, he, this is the story where the Native American guy walked up to him banging the drum and then, you know, he was standing there like, I don't know what's going on. And then everybody dragged him and now he's winning a bunch of lawsuits or settling a bunch of lawsuits. I guess he's winning them. They're going to come after him and they're going to try and destroy his life just because his existence slighted them. Think about this. Did he do anything to the left? No. Did he say anything mean to this man? Nope. What did he do? Nothing. They put a camera on him and they said, you bend your knee and you be our scapegoat. You be the pariah. And he still didn't do anything. It was people like me and people like Robbie Suave who called out the media's lies on the Covington scandal. And they're mad about it. And they're going to take it out on him. Here's what Jonathan Turley writes. He says, I have previously written as a long supporter of the ACLU about my concern over how the venerable group has changed under its recent leadership including a departure from its long, robust defense of free speech. I, I literally agree with that. Yeah, I completely agree. Recently, the ACLU has abandoned its famed neutrality and has, not su- and has not supported some on the right while supporting those on the left. Now, the ACLU Samuel Crankshaw in Kentucky has targeted Transylvania University for admitting Nick Sandman, who was falsely accused of abusing a Native American activist in front of a Lincoln memorial in front of the Lincoln Memorial. Oh, in front of Lincoln Memorial. Despite various media organizations correcting the story and some settling with Sandman, some in media have continued to attack him. Yet it is far more alarming to see an ACLU official rallying people against a young man whose chief offense appears to be that he is conservative and unapologetic. Crankshaw went to Facebook to alert people that Sandman would be attending the college and expressing veiled outrage that the school would admit someone with his opposing views. He warns that this kid is more dangerous than figures like Milo Yiannopoulos. The danger is that a young freshman holds conservative views that are shared by roughly half the country. How is that more dangerous than Milo Yiannopoulos? Milo Yiannopoulos literally calls himself dangerous. But this kid who is just standing still, these people are nuts. Here's the quote, apparently. Does anyone else think it's a bit of a stain on the Transylvania University for accepting Nick Sandman? I'm sure it's a both sides defense. 
but it's pretty counter to their mission. And another uh, and another instance of they're not actually being equal sides to an issue. I think Transylvania University should accept anyone willing to have an open mind and engage in debate, regardless of their views. That's how we all learn. That's trans uh, transies mission. Having experienced the incredible high standards transy requires, what's transy, for admission and then holds its students to, this seems like a slap in the face. I hope sometime in a real class, uh, in a real classroom changes him, but his Twitter and public persona suggest otherwise. What persona? The kid's not particularly active. He goes on, Jonathan Turley says, the both sides defense used to be the position of the ACLU in fighting for all sides to be given equal opportunities and protections. Moreover, Crankshaw labels Salmon a provocateur in training with no intention of learning. Put aside the, putting aside the provocateur label, how would Crankshaw know that Sandman has no intention of learning? One person responding was Dr. Avery Tompkins, an assistant professor and diversity scholar at Transylvania University, acknowledged that the university supported diverse viewpoints, but promised to closely monitor Sandman while he's on campus. If he were to cause problems by being disruptive, trolling, or engaging in unethical behavior of any kind, I would immediately document it, just like I would for any student doing the same thing. And he would just be putting himself in a position for me to file a conduct report. Doing the same thing. What thing? Free speech? It's not even that. We're talking about some kind of insane far left morality or moral system. They've already talked about punishing you for the sins of the father. Remember that guy? He's a NASCAR driver. His dad said the N word in the 80s. So he lost a sponsor like a few. It was like a year or two ago. He actually lost a sponsor because his dad said something in the 80s. Oh, come on. For real? Yeah. Well, they won't just hold you to a standard based on what your parents did. They will make up slights you did and hold you to that standard, too. How would you like to live in that world where you're sitting there minding your own business? Somebody gets in your face and screams and you go, uh, and then they scream at you. Hey, 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 how dare you? And you're like, I don't know what I did. And they're like, lock him up. They want to cancel Nick Sandman because he literally did nothing. No, for real. He's supposed to get on his knees and beg and apologize, but he didn't do anything. So what's he supposed to apologize for? And that's where this gets particularly dangerous. You want to talk about real danger. First, we've seen many people blindly accept overt racist ideology like spineless morons. You may have seen the video that's been going viral where you have this morbidly obese woman saying that white people are inhuman and are born demons. And I'm watching this video like, how are all these white people sitting there going like, "Mm, oh, really? Yes, that's right. I am not a human being. Grow a spine, dude. Speak up. Well, then you actually have these people go after you for actual past slights. They say things like, here's what you did. You must apologize for it. Well, I get it. If you want to apologize for something you actually did wrong, although we're at a point now where apologizing doesn't do anything, it might be pointless. But now they're bringing us to a new tier of absurdity. Now they are going to demand an apology for you doing literally nothing. They will just accuse you. They'll make it up and then they'll try and ruin your life. That's where we're headed. I mean, we've already seen false accusations of many people in the past in a variety of issues, namely like assault on college campuses. But they're bringing us to a new level. You're our enemy because we said so. Bend the knee or else. Uh, uh, Turley goes on to say, rather than say that there is no reason why this uh, conservative student should be singled out this way, Tompkins declares publicly, quote, I get where you are coming from. Where would that be? Cranks. uh, Oh, it's Cranksaw. Is it Cranksaw? I thought it was Crankshaw. It is Crankshaw. Okay, it's a typo. Crankshaw was coming from a place where a wrongly accused conservative teenager will be harassed or targeted for daring to take his views to a college. 
I appreciate, appreciate Tompkins noting that students cannot be denied admission based on their political views, though that was once assumed. Yet Tompkins labels this incoming freshman as part of an anti-intellectual movement and publicly assumes that Sandman will reject core principles of learning. This is a freshman being publicly shredded by a professor at his school. Tompkins then expresses the same uncertainty. Why the student would pick a university dedicated to higher education and the, quote, antithesis of what he believes and promotes. You know what? No, I actually agree with that. Why are you sending your kids to these schools? Seriously, why? Stop giving these universities money and stop putting your kids in these institutionalized learning facilities where we know that they have fringe curriculums that, have cr- that, 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 that give kids crazy ideas about life. Not only that, I'm assuming based on the settlements that he's won, he's probably got some cash, so maybe he can easily afford this. But why waste your money on this stuff? What are you going to this college for, dude? Nick Sandman, you should not be doing this. Start a business. Go, go do hard work. Go work at some job, become an apprentice and learn a skill. Unless I guess if he wants to be like a scientist or an academic, I do not understand the reasoning behind all of these people wanting to go to colleges, particularly conservatives wanting to go to to these colleges, where the joke right now is that when you're sitting in calculus, they're complaining about white privilege. If that's the case, stop going. You're giving them money. Why? It empowers them. And the money goes into these professors pockets, which they use to then push these fringe ideologies. Now, I think there are good professors at many universities, and you can probably find them. You got you to be you know, specific in what you're looking for. But I just don't get why so many people are going to complain about schools. I think schools are broken and terrible, and then send their kids there anyway, or actively choose to go. This is, this is a perfect example. How could you possibly function when you're going to a university where they make you the issue, where they criticize you, they don't even know you, and you didn't even do anything wrong? I'll tell you what, man, maybe I'm biased. I never finished high school. I'm a high school dropout. Yeah, I'm doing all right for myself. I think the smarter play for all conservatives and for everybody, to be completely honest, liberals especially, is to find something and start building. When you are young and you stay with your parents, how about instead of building up massive debt, you start exploring the world and figuring out what you can do to better the lives of other people? Take an internship or an apprenticeship. Even work at a fast food restaurant, work, work at a regular restaurant, learn how to manage a business, go to the manager and say, I would like to spend time here learning from you free of charge. I will help you out. I'll be a gopher. It's called being an intern. Then you'll actually learn how a business is run, how taxes are calculated, and you will be a million times more successful than these kids who go to college and come out with massive debt and then have no idea what they're going to do. I mean, think about real world skills for one. So I'm reminded of the story of an NBA player. I think it was with the Bulls in the 90s. And he went to a Wendy's and asked the manager to teach him everything he knew. And the manager was stoked. and was like, yeah, now the dude is wealthy and owns a bunch of Wendy's franchise locations. Think about practical application. I get it. Everybody wants to do something, you know, really, really great. But to do something great, you have to figure it out and build it yourself. So I'm not saying you should work at a restaurant. You can go anywhere. You can ask anybody you got. I'm sure there's somebody in your neighborhood who knows a guy who does like, I don't know, mason work or like cementing and landscaping. And these this guy can teach you a lot about filing taxes, getting loans, working with banks, doing work, hiring employees. That's the kind of thing you actually need to to know. And you're not going to get that at school when you're spending your time in gender studies class or in history class, which now has apparently become gender studies. 
I get it. I'm sure this kid, Nick Sandman, has found something he wants to study at Transylvania University. And at the end of the day, the universities should not be this ridiculous. But my advice, don't go to college unless you're absolutely sure you know what you want to do and college is required for it. You want to be a lawyer? Okay, go to college. You want to be a doctor? Yeah, go to college. You want to be a teacher? That I get. Go to college. You want to work in academia like in these universities? That's where you go. You want to do literally anything else? You want to have a family and just succeed? Learn a skill. Go to trade school. Learn how to do something practical. Nobody needs like, do we, do we really need more, I don't know, geologists? No offense, geologists. I think you do a great job. But I have, I have friends who are in the sciences who have no idea what to do and they have no real, real world skills. If you want to just be successful, then you, here's, what, here's what I'd recommend. Pick up these, these studies as a hobby and find a practical application. Find, find practical application for a real skill. Because right now, I'll tell you what, I was trying to get a mini ramp built last year and it was impossible because contractors were booked up for months. I ended up ordering a prefab ramp, which was more expensive. And then it's just, you know, you just drill in. It's really easy to do. But man, if I could have found someone who could have done it, that would have been more money in that person's pocket. But they were booked up. There's jobs you can do. You don't need to go to college. You just got to figure it out. You can start your own, I don't know, carpentry business, expand, hire people, and eventually you'll own a major construction company. It just starts with you deciding to be the pioneer, to be the person who wants to land on empty shores and build that first house and go find food on your own. Don't expect someone to give it to you. And my, my, my other recommendation is don't take debt to try and figure it out either. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all next time.